You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I want to talk about our sponsors, Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook Design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit Facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, Design Workflow Management for Modern Design Teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like Glitch but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs, all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with D. Tuck, Engineering Manager at Abstract. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, D. Tuck, and I am an Engineering Manager at Abstract. So what does being an engineering manager entail at Abstract? Like, what's a what's a normal day like for you? Oh, man, uh, lots of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> lots of meetings. Yeah, so I currently run run two teams. I run the I run the platform squad and in, and enterprise and admin squad. And so I participate in a lot of meetings with uh, with product and our and our stakeholders. I'm also responsible for running our agile methodologies, so such as all of our scrum meetings. So I also also act as a scrum master as well. So I spend a lot of time in meetings and a lot of time in Jira. Wow. <laughs> and you've been in the role now for well, like a, about a year or so, a little less than a year. Yeah, so I started I started at Abstract uh January of January of this year, but uh, I've been an engineering manager for about uh about 2 years. Nice. What attracted you to the company? So I came across Abstract uh, during a time where my, my previous company decided to outsource their engineering department and so uh I was just I was just kind of looking and I I came across Abstract on on LinkedIn and I was just like I read the job description for the engineering manager role and like right there at the top, it talked about diversity and inclusion. And I was just like, wow, this is different. And so I just kind of dug into it and I really looked on LinkedIn and I really saw that there were like a lot of people on LinkedIn that, you know, looked like me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is a little different. And so, and so, yeah, I I was able to kind of reach out, reach out to one of the recruiters and, uh, and yeah, the rest is history there. (laughs) Now you're running two squads, like you said, what's the biggest challenge with your role? I mean, it sounds like a lot managing two teams. Yeah. So definitely my calendar is booked, right? (laughs) (laughs) I definitely say, you know, time, time is a big challenge um, with me, you know, kind of, kind of having, having a lot of meetings, whether it's with the, whether it's with my team or with our, you know, product managers, it's definitely a task to balance both, but um, I think I'm doing a pretty good job at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so as the engineering manager, you're also hiring for both of these teams, I'm assuming, is that right? Yes. Now, how 
is it when it comes to kind of recruiting and retaining talent? Because you, just like you said, you looked on LinkedIn, you read DNI, you saw people that looked like you, and that made you interested in it. How is, I guess, the process, and you don't have to go like too far in the weeds on this, but how is the process for recruiting and retaining talent for you? We get a lot of applications. And so I definitely have to like spend time, you know, screening candidates. But one of the things about one of the things about Abstract and one of the things that I enjoy is that we are very intentional and like and recruiting diverse talent and whether whether that be a sponsoring lesbians in tech, Afrotech, or any of the other DNI based tech conferences, where we're usually there. And so I usually try to jump on board with our recruiting team to kind of get out there and meet candidates face to face. And so I think one of the things that I, that I can say uh, when you think about like DNI and tech and you know and, and hiring is that you have to be intentional about it. And and so and a lot a lot of times that means putting money out there to, to actually do it like you know to sending send, sending your employees to these to these different conferences to kind of get out there and, and mingle with people so and i should also mention just for transparency for people that are listening abstract has sponsored revision path also which thank you for that <laughs> um but no i think it's it's a it's a good thing about being intentional um i would say this was maybe about four or so years ago i was doing consulting back when i had my studio and there will be a lot of companies, big name companies that are so afraid of even sort of dipping their toe into the whole diversity and inclusion topic for fear of getting it wrong or saying the wrong thing. I remember one client in particular, which I'm not going to name, but one client in particular, big media company was like, yeah, we really want to try to recruit more, you know, black creative talent, designers and developers. And I asked them if they had thought about just like going to like an HBCU job fair. And it was like, you could see people's minds exploding at the thought. Like, we never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like go where they are, like build right. the relationships. And like you said, be intentional about it. That's sort of what it takes. Yes. Yep. Yep. It does. Um, and an- another thing too is, is, um, is, a lot of a lot of companies will focus on hiring like senior engineers. And I just honestly, I honestly think that there's like a, there's a big conflict there, right? So if you're if you want to focus on like DNI and inclusive hiring, right? If you only focus on hiring those who have you know ten years of experience, then like it's going to be hard. It's mm-hmm. I mean it's definitely mm-hmm. it's definitely just going to be hard. So so I think like definitely opening up the gates to be able to support those who are coming out of boot camps is is definitely the way to go now for DNI. Yeah, um, there's this one company I think it's. Uh... Actually, I don't even remember what the name of the company was, but what I could tell is that it's clear they were just trying to find like black and brown versions of who their ideal employee would be. And oftentimes that person may not exist because of a number of different circumstances, socioeconomic circumstances, education, et cetera, that they're just not going to be in that same pipeline or level of who you would really want. But if you're being intentional about diversity and, you know, you're able to kind of determine what are the base things you need? What are like nice to have sorts of things? Right. I find that that probably makes the process a lot easier from a recruiting standpoint. Yep. Yep. Now, I would say part of that, you know, is the recruitment, but also retaining. So like how diverse I say diversity and inclusion are like two sides of the same coin. Like it's one thing to bring diverse people in, but how do you keep them? Can you talk a little bit about sort of what the culture is like at Abstract? 
Yeah. So I definitely agree with you. You were saying like there's there's kind of like two sides to that coin, right? I once read like, you know, diversity is, you know, inviting people to the party. Inclusive is playing music that, that they can dance to, right? Yeah. So yeah, one 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 thing at abstract I can definitely say is that like there 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 are events that support, you know, different backgrounds. One of the things that we just did recently in the San Francisco office is that we had a Latin and tech uh tech event. Mm-hmm. And so really just making sure that like every everyone feels feels included. Uh, one of the things that I thought was like super cool when I got to Abstract is that like it, 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 is that we have a uh, a people of color Slack channel. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was like culture shock for me. Right. Because like, I, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I'm usually I'm, I'm usually the I'm usually the only one at my company. I'm usually the first, you know, first black or first, you know, LGBT. Like it's I'm always I've always been the first, you know, because I've moved around the South um, in tech. And so it's just definitely just stuff like that to just like be like, okay, here's a space for you to connect with your people. Mm-hmm. And like, like I said, Abstract is very intentional in, in supporting different, you know, you know, backgrounds and groups of people. Nice. Yeah. Now let's, let's switch gears because you're talking about the South here. Uh, you're located in Nashville. Is that where you grew up? No, so I'm I'm originally I'm originally from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, okay. Yep. So I'm born and born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. I left Cincinnati at at 18 and and went to Tuskegee to to study computer science. And so after after graduating from uh, Tuskegee, I actually kind of stayed I stayed in Alabama for about four years and just moved around missile defense companies there. So um, so yeah. Then I eventually found my way uh, to uh, Nashville. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was, I guess, tech and, and that sort of stuff a big part of your childhood growing up? Like, were you exposed to it early? Um, I would say, I would say, I would say yes and no, right? So one one would be, one of the things that like really like made me like fond of computers is that like my, my uncle, he used to work at uh, Pioneer, right? Uh, the, you know, mm. yeah, the audio, audio company. Yeah. And so he was just, he was just kind of like a super cool guy, right? He always had a nice car. Uh, he, you know, flew, he, he was the first person that I knew that ever flew out the country. He used to go to Japan all the time. Mm. And so he he was he was also the first person who had a personal computer right and on my on my weekends i would like spend my time upstairs and this i mean he 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 bought a two story house for my for my grandmother he moved upstairs and she moved downstairs and so i would spend weekends at my grandma's and yeah i would spend hours upon hours just sitting at his computer i mean i was i was in there like changing all the settings i mean i don't know what i was doing on his computer it had like windows 95 on it but <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was i was just doing i was doing everything like i i just i would stay there for hours upon hours and then one day i came down i came downstairs in my in my my grandpa I was sitting on the couch and he was just like, you know, what are you doing upstairs? Like, what are you doing up there? And I was like, you know, I'm on a computer. And he was just like, he was just like, you've been up there for like nine hours, 10 hours. <laughs> he, was like, he was just like, what, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an older guy. Uh, yeah. He's just kind of like, so like, w- like, what are you doing? I was like, look, I'm just on a computer. I have fun. And he was like, you know what? When I retire, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you a computer. And so I was like, cool. And like, and I, I never said anything about it, but as soon as he retired, he called me and was just like, Hey, you know, I want to take you to circuit city and buy you a computer. And like at that, at that moment, uh, I was like ecstatic. And so 
I, I think the engineer was born in me at that point. I became like the family uh, tech specialist. <laughs> 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 I was going around fixing people's computers and printers and, you know, uh, yeah. So that, that that's kind of how it started. And also to like the schools that I the schools that I went to, they exposed us to tech through NSBE, um, National um, National Society of Black Engineers. Uh-huh. Um, and then there was some there were some other like programs that like I stayed in contact with. So but even when I got to college, um, you know, I, I'll be I'll be honest, like I thought I was going to when I when I signed up for computer science, like I thought I was going to be like fixing computers, installing Word. Like I didn't know anything about coding, though, uh-huh. like that that thing. Like I didn't have any experience in my childhood that, you know, where I was actually like developing things. And so, yeah, when I got to college, uh, it was definitely a whole new ball game. (laughs) 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 So, yeah. So, yeah, I I just remember my first day, my first day at Tuskegee in my computer science one-on-one and our professor like pulled up the terminal and started like typing some C++. And I was like, what is this? Like, you know, I was, I was like, I was like super confused and I'm like, like, I, I don't know if I signed up for the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> it took some getting used to, but I made it. <laughs> uh, why did you decide to go to Tuskegee? Yeah, so I go back to this uncle again. You know, he definitely saw something in me. And so I just remember one day he, he called me and was just like, hey, I'm going to give you this phone number to this church and they're uh they're doing a black college tour and i want you to figure out all the information and how much it costs and let me know if you want to go and i was like okay and you know now that i'm older i knew what he was doing of like if you're serious then you'll call and you'll come back and report information if you don't call then i'm not going to waste my money because you're not serious about it so Mm -hmm. like you know so now now that i'm older i understand i understood his tactic but you know i called and you know i got him the information i remember the lady telling me on the phone and she was like it's like 575 dollars and i was thinking like uh that's a lot of money <laughs> you know i was like 10th grade at the time so i'm like uh okay well i called him back i was like uh so it's like it's like 500 bucks and he was just like all right how do i pay and i was like Okay, so he he actually paid, <laughs> sent me on a black college, sent me on a black college tour, and honestly, it changed my life, my whole perspective on after high school and like what I was gonna do and like college, like college became real at that time. But I, I went to Tuskegee, and honestly, it felt like a different world. Like mm. I, I, it did. Like it felt like you know, the, I'm, I'm talking about the Co- the Cosby Show. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so honestly, I got there and I was just like, you know, this feels like home. I was able to learn a lot about the history about Booker T. Washington and just really like George George Car uh, George Washington Carver. And so just like these names that like I had heard and like I was able to like really just like little old me from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm able able to just really be immersed in this history like you know like how, like you know it was just it was definitely just exciting and so out of all the colleges that I went to Tuskegee just felt like home it felt like home and yeah yeah <laughs> nice I've I've been to Tuskegee before as folks know from listening to the show I'm from Selma so I've been to I've been to Tuskegee I've been to Alabama State Alabama A&M Stillman Mile like you name a a black college in um, in Alabama. I've most likely been to it. I think actually when I was in high school, I think we marched there. I was in marching band. I think we marched through Tuskegee or something at, at one point. Tuskegee was like on my short list of schools to go to as well, because okay. I, I, I wanted to get out of Alabama so bad. 
Uh-huh. And I was I was getting scholarships and things, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Stanford. I'm going to go to Harvard. My mom is like, nope, you are not going that far. I'm not getting on a plane and visiting you out in California or wherever. You need to go somewhere close. Um, and I went, it wasn't a black college tour, but it was sort of like, um, well, in a way it was a tour because uh, they took us to the Atlanta University Center here in Atlanta where there's like five or six black colleges in one huge campus. So yeah. Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta, Morris Brown at the time, uh, the Morehouse School of Medicine and the Interdenominational Theological Center, like all in one big, huge campus here. They, they're they distinct schools, but they share like the same proximity. Like you could easily walk between and through all the campuses and stuff. And it's funny you mentioned a different world because, of course, as folks know, a different world is based off of like Morehouse and Spellman. Yeah. I was also a big fan of school days. Okay. So I remember we uh <laughs> I remember we we took the tour and there's like a little walkway that cuts between the the big lawns of Morehouse and Clark Atlanta. Have, wait, have you seen School Days? Yeah, yeah, I've seen School Days, yeah. Okay, so you know the opening in School Days where they show the big like I guess yep. it's like the administration building. So that's on Clark's campus. Okay. And then at the end of the movie when they're ringing the bell, yeah, that's on Morehouse's campus. So that bell is right outside of a uh, of a uh, of Sale Hall, and I remember okay. walking that walkway and like looking in one direction and seeing <laughs> seeing the administration building, looking in the other direction and saw the bell, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going here. I'm going here." <laughs> and like it was nice. right at the time where it was right after the Olympics. It was post Freaknik, but Atlanta was still <laughs> like popping this was like 98 99 something like this so atlanta okay. still had that like popping energy i mean atlanta always has that popping energy but back then whoo right a totally different story so i was like i'm going here like this is <laughs> this is where i'm going and also morehouse gave me a good scholarship so i was like i'll i'll do it i'll go nice, nice. what what was your time like at tuskegee Oh, man. Tuskegee was great. Anybody who's graduated from Tuskegee, we refer to Tuskegee as Mother Tuskegee, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I mean, it's it's almost one of those experiences that, like, even when you try to explain it, explain it to people, only people who have gone to Tuskegee truly understand what you mean. (laughs) uh, But yeah, like, I mean, Tuskegee was just amazing. Like, I mean, there was there was professors that were like super supportive, right? One thing about going to to like an HBCU is that like those professors are there because they want to see black people succeed. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like hands down, like, like they, they're there for that, that reason. And it's, it, and, and it's one of, it's one of those things that you definitely feel in classes, you know, office after, after hours, um, you definitely, you definitely feel a sense of like, Hey, this person wants me to win. And so, and so I, I can just definitely just say that I had a lot of support. I mean, it was, it's challenge, challenging at, at times. Right. Mm. Um, you, you know, there, you know, th- there wasn't, at the, during the time, I mean, I graduated. In, I graduated high school in 2003, so I went to Tuskegee in 2003. And so, okay. if you can imagine, like, you know, technology. You know, we were still like getting, you know, getting courses online and things mm-hmm. of that nature. You know, there were some challenges there, but it definitely made me a different person. Made me, made me grow up. Made me, made me learn how to. Uh, learn how to survive. Right. I feel like Tuskegee taught me like I can, I can live and I can, I can do anything. I can live anywhere and do, and do anything. And 
um, and so yeah, like I mean, Tuskegee was just a, just just amazing. And then honestly, the the computer science department, hands down, like one of the best computer science computer science departments. Um, and 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 I and I and I say that not that I've experienced, um, not that I've like experienced like coursework at uh, other colleges, but just knowing, just knowing like the emphasis of like really, really like exploring like different languages um, as a, as a, as a developer, mm-hmm. they also have a lot of, a lot of connections during this time when I was there, there was a, there was a lot of connections with some of like the, the, the missile, the big, big name missile defense companies, such as like your Lockheed Martin, mm-hmm. Northrop Grumman. And so, um, and Microsoft as well. So like all those like big name companies would like, like come to the school there was a lot of there was a lot of alumni that went there and so they would come back and like talk to us and so I, I felt like that was that was definitely valuable right because like I'm sitting I'm, I'm having a conversation with you know with someone who like works for like the FBI right and he actually this person graduated from Tuskegee so he understands like what we're going through all the professors were there when he was there so it was able to kind of like create bonds with like alumni that would like definitely come back and give students like you know nuggets um so yeah it was it was it was cool it was cool you know hbcus sometimes don't get the best reputation in the world i think particularly when it comes down to like technical disciplines like getting a technical education there but it sounds like tuskegee really kind of prepared you for the working world like once you graduated yeah, yeah, it it did definitely. I took my first role in missile defense at Lockheed Martin, and so honestly, like I, I was I was there for like three years, and like I continuously said like college was a lot harder than the things I was working on. So like mm-hmm. you you know it was definitely a challenging uh, program, and so it made like navigating the industry a lot a lot easier. Yeah. So you were able kind of right after you graduated, you were really able to like start your career right away in what you were studying. Yep. Yep. I was. Uh, I started I started as a so- uh, software engineer um, in missile defense. So, yeah, so I was I was working on some pretty cool stuff. Um, I worked on I worked on a space systems team. So I worked uh, I worked a lot with like radar sensor sensors and, and missiles. So it, it, it was it was cool. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. And so now you're you're at abstract. You are um, you work remotely. You mentioned uh, before we started recording that you're in Nashville right now. What I mean, as much as you can talk about, like, what is the is there a Nashville tech scene? Because I feel like a lot of tech coverage in the South tends to get ignored or like tech news or even tech communities in the South get ignored. Like people look, I think, as far west as Texas. They look as far north as D.C. And then they maybe talk about Miami. Atlanta will come up every now and then. But you never really hear about tech stuff going on in Tennessee or Mississippi or Arkansas or Alabama or anything like that. Um, as much as I guess you can talk about, like, does it feel like Nashville kind of has a tech scene of some sort? Um, it, it's definitely, it's definitely growing. So I don't know if you've heard, but like Am- Amazon is bringing like their, their headquarters, headquarters here. And oh, okay. Yeah. It's definitely on the come up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's definitely on the come up. Um, but Honestly, I've been here about six years and I've always had opportunities, right? Um, so there's there's definitely there's definitely opportunities here. It's just a matter of what you're what you're looking for, right? Because there it's yeah. it, it's there's a there's a lack of diversity here in, in Nashville, you know, when when it when it comes to tech, um, to be honest. 
So, you know, it's not going to be, it it won't be uncommon for you to be the, you know, only, only minority on the team. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of been my story um, since I've been here. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I find that, um, I don't know. It's sort of that way in Atlanta, you know, in a way it's that it's like that. I mean, certainly there are, you know, firms here where you'll go and you won't be the only one, but I know even if I go to events or, you know, just certain rooms that I'm in uh, that have to deal with tech or with design, it still can be very much segregated in that way. But then I'll tell them like, oh, I do such and such for this company. And then all of a sudden, like the conversation changes, like, oh, wow, you do that. Wow. That's great. I'm like, yeah, uh uh-huh. Before (laughs) you want to, you want to pay me any attention, but now it's a, it's a totally different story. So Um, no 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 i i totally understand what that uh that that feeling is like i mean you would even in a city like atlanta that has a big you know multi-ethnic multicultural population you know largely black that still exists in a lot of tech spaces which is you know yeah it does in 2019 that's that's a sad thing to say but it does exist Mm -hmm. yep yeah and i I found i found like that that same that same scenario in um in in nashville um i can guarantee like any like conferences that they that they hold here i mean if they're homegrown conferences meaning meaning that like there's it's like a a nashville group that actually put it together like they have like the music city code conference every year Mm -hmm. and i feel like over the years i mean it's gotten a it's gotten a little better where like you'll, you'll you'll see more diverse talent um because of honestly boop Honestly, the reason why we, you, you kind of see more diverse talent like popping up here is because of the boot camps. Mm. There's a lot of people um, going to the going to the boot camps, and so that is that that has actually helped a little bit. But honestly, I I, I still haven't had the I still had still haven't had the opportunity to you know work with a lot of a lot of like my, minorities, and and I get the same I, I get the same kind of response that you that you mentioned of like once I you know I have a conversation with someone, and then it, you know it's kind of kind of kind of dry and dead, and I'm like oh yeah I'm a um you know they ask me what I do, and I'm like oh yeah I'm I'm a, I'm an engineering manager and then they're like oh yeah really like you know and then it's a, a whole you know it's a, it's, a, it's a whole thing so like what are you doing over there you know then it's a you know some, sometimes it can, it can turn into a job pitch but <laughs> yeah 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 it's interesting how that conversation just kind of ends up shifting like that but yeah uh so as I was doing my research I saw that you you gave an interview with abstract one of the questions that you asked for people who have been on the show before they know that i always ask something called the oprah question and you said that if you could have dinner with one famous person that you would choose oprah so i was like okay this is this is cool (laughs) um and you said the question that you wanted to ask her is can you walk me through your greatest failure so i want to ask you to like walk me through your greatest failure and talk about how you emerged from it yeah okay yeah, so so I w- I would say like one of my one of my greatest failures the the one that I felt like I felt like in my heart of like oh man this is this is bad it it definitely it definitely had to do with tech right um so as you as I stated went I went to Tuskegee and I took my first computer science class and I had no idea what I was doing like I mean I was I was I was picking up the concepts and you know I was I was I was doing enough I was doing enough to get a C you know on the test mm-hmm. um I was skating that line of like you know one wrong move would be a failure right but I I did good so I was I was 
I was right at the 70% mark, you know, mark. I was a C, you know, I thought I was going to pass the class. I stayed in the computer lab like overnight. I mean, I bugged a lot of like the more the, the upperclassmen. They were, you mm-hmm. know, everyone was like helping me, teaching me concepts. You know, I would be there. It's like one, two o'clock in the morning. You know, I was there like I put my heart and I put my I put everything into it. And so when I got my grade for, you know, for the course, I got a D. And Ooh. yeah, and I'm like, no, like, are you, I mean, I calculated this grade, like, to T, and I'm like, no, I, I know, I know I passed. Like, I know I've got a C, right? And so, to be honest, like, I immediately started crying. Like, I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, wow. you know, I, you know, I gave it my all and like, I still failed. And so I went to my professor, my professor's office and I was just like, you know, I, I just don't understand like why I didn't pass and you know, why, you know, why, why do I have a D? I need to, t- I have to take the class over. Like why? And what he did is he turned to the whiteboard mm-hmm. and he was just like, he put, <laughs> he put some logic on the board and he was like, solve this. <laughs> and so I went to the board and you know, I, I ended up solving it. I ended up solving it. And then, I mean, it took some time. There was, you know, he, he had to, he had to add some input in there. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. That kind of helped me solve it. But he was just like, see, if I, if I pass you to the next class, you'll just fail. Mm. And so he was just like, he was like, you know, trust me, take the, take the class over and, you know, think things would be a lot, a, a lot, a lot easier. Like, I don't, I don't want to move you to the next level and, and you fail. And, you know, that kind of like, I left out of the office and I was like, okay, he has a point, but I was still kind of like, man, like, is this going to be, you know, is this going to be a pattern of like, you know, can I really do it? Cause I really gave my all, you know? And so I talked to one of my friends at the time and I was just like, look, I failed my first computer science class, you know, maybe I need to switch my major. And I had like the, <laughs> I had the uh, pamphlet with all the, uh, all the courses and the different majors. And so I'm flipping through it and I'm just like, oh, maybe I can do construction science management. And my friend, <laughs> and my friend was like, my friend was like, look, you love computers. Like you love, you love tech, like go register for this class and like, get off my phone. (laughs) 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 And so I was like, I was like, yeah, you're right. Cause like, I really couldn't find anything. And then I was just like, I'm not a quitter. And so, but it was one of those things. Like, I mean, it it hit, it hit hard. It hit hard for me to like fail that class, but he was right. I took the course over. I ended up getting an A. And then from there, the rest is history. And by me taking that class over, I was able to like build, I was able to build a foundation. If I had went, if he was right, if I went to the next class, I would have just failed. And it would have just been like an ongoing thing of like, pass, I mean, fail, pass, fail, pass. And nobody has money or time for that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, so one of, so I, I definitely would just say like him, like making me like realize of like, Hey, you know, you need to spend more time on the, on the, on the fundamentals before you can go to the next level. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely was the, the best decision that, you know, you know, somebody ever, he, he made the decision for me, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, you know, definitely that opportunity, you know, changed me, you know, what do you think kind of helps, I guess, fuel that like sense of ambition that you have? Like, where does that come from? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I definitely just say like my parents and just like, you know, people, people in my family um, and definitely, definitely just the specifically the women in my family. They are, you know, go getters and like really would just like, you know, work, worked hard and like never wanted to be in a situation 
where they had to ask someone for anything. And so I would I would definitely say that is that is always kind of like stuck with me is like I always wanted to be independent, um, always wanted to be able to like take care of myself. And so just really just watching the women in my family like do that. And so it just it just definitely just drove me to like be the best person possible. When you look back at your career, like the work you're doing now at Abstract and even your you know previous roles and things, what do you wish you would have known when you first started? I would definitely say don't be afraid to bring your whole whole self to work on day one. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that. Um, I think just always being I mean, just coming from a, a history of uh, always being the only black in the room, um, the only woman in the room. Um, it, you know, it, it you know, it, 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 it took a it took a it, it took a second for me to like really like come out of my shell. Like, you know, I have a I have a nice I have a nice sense of humor. There's, there's other things about me, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very invested in technology. Um, you know, I like, I, I, I like geeky things. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I think like just, 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 just really like bringing my, bringing my whole self to work day one probably would be the, the best thing I've, I've could, I could have done in the past. Yeah. Mm. What are you most excited about at the moment? Being in a position where, uh, where I can directly impact diverse candidates, right? Being at the table, right? That, that's one of the things like uh, that, like the last like five years, I started to, I started to realize of like, hey, you know, I'm the only person like in the room. Um, I, I don't, you know, it, it, it that, that just being, being that minority and being the first and being the only was just, you know, it's really started to get to me. And so that, that kind of like help, help like drive my decision to like move into leadership. And so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just really ex- excited to really make changes and, you know, be able to um, be on the um, panel where, where hiring decisions are made, right? Mm-hmm. What does success look like for you at this point in your career? I mean, it sounds like you're you're at where you want to be, but you know, what does success look like? Yeah, uh, I would definitely just say, really, just growing as a leader. You know, perfecting my leadership abilities um, to like run teams and like uh, produce high quality work, and and also just really make changes in the DNI space uh, for tech. Yeah, the DNI space in tech is interesting because, I mean, it's something that has always been a regular conversation, but I feel like within the past, I don't know, maybe like 10 years, it's taken on this very interesting, what's the best way that I can put it? Because interesting is not a, a good way to put it. It's taken on this, it's almost like a racket in a way. Like you certainly have people, I think, that are walking the walk, talking the talk with diversity. And then you have people that just do the conference circuit and all they do is just talk about the issue, but they're not actually actively contributing to it. They're kind of just keeping it in people's minds in a way. Yep. What do you think about that? Like, where do you see kind of the diversity in tech conversation from your unique vantage point? Where do you see it? Yeah. So going back to what I said before about boot camps and really like hiring less less experienced engineers and like nurturing that talent. And so I definitely say boot camps are the, are the way to go. If you're not hiring from boot camps then like you know, I don't know how serious you are about DNI, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's and it's and it's really it's really understandable that like okay, you you have a you have a comp, you have a complicated product or really this this high profile product and you need some experience to kind of get it off the ground. Like I totally I totally get I totally get that, but I think 
like there there's some companies who like totally totally disregard like boot camps and scream and, and and, and scream DNI all all over their website, and it's like, mm. no, you're you're not you're you're not you're not serious if you're solely solely focused on experienced individuals. Yeah. So yeah, so I think I think just 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 definitely one of one of the things that I feel like the 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 industry needs to move towards is really is really foster fostering that talent. Um, there's actually boot camps out there where like you know companies can like sponsor sponsor um uh sponsor like scholarships and then you know give those give those people who like um who you know are awarded that that scholarship through their company they can you know actually you know hire that talent directly directly from that you know from that boot camp there's all types of like creative ways and strategies to like really increase dni and i I think like just going just going to talk about it or you know posting on your website is just not enough it's not enough where do you see yourself in the next like five years like what kind of work do you want to be doing yeah. Um, so next five years. So I have plans to move out to the Bay Area um, permanently. So I definitely see myself living on the West Coast. And with that, I, I like to I like to really get out there and like just really do more talks, do more podcasts like this. This is um, this is my first one. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I'd really I, I really like to get out there and just really like talk and talk talk to uh, talk to people who are interested in like coming in the field, mentoring, definitely really giving back to the tech community mm-hmm. to be on to be honest and really and, and really and really just growing and growing as a leader as well all right well just to you know kind of wrap things up here where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything online so you can find me on linkedin at dtuck and then i'm also on twitter as well dtuck underscore and that's d-e-e-t-u-c-k okay. underscore all right sounds good well dtuck i want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, first, I want to thank you for just sharing a little bit about kind of what life is like at Abstract, but also really, you know, going more into your your personal journey. One thing I think that really stood out to me was that you had this this uncle, this possibility model, as like Laverne Cox calls it, of someone that is doing something that you could see yourself doing. Like it's a possibility for you to be, you know, where he is doing the things that he's doing. And tech is sort of the vehicle to to get you there. And so it's it's good that you had that kind of inspiration to be able to get to where you are right now. And then also just sharing like your experiences at Tuskegee. I think more people really need to look at HBCUs and invest in HBCUs because there's some really special stuff that's going down there. I went to an HBCU myself. Like I mentioned, I went to Morehouse. A lot of good stuff going on there. Like don't just look at it. It's like, oh, it's the black school. Like there's something special happening at HBCUs. But yeah, no, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Thoughts of love are in and that's it for this week. Big thanks to D Tuck and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Dee and her work through the links in the show notes at glitch.com forward slash revision path. And of course, thanks to both Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook Design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like Glitch, but for designers, Abstract is your team's version-controlled source of truth for design work. 
With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs, all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Revision Path is a Glitch Media Network podcast and is produced by Maurice Cherry and edited by Brittany Brown. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. We're also powered by Simplecast, the easiest way for podcasters to publish and distribute audio on the internet. Make sure you check the show notes for a link to sign up for a 14-day free trial. And if you liked this episode, then please let more people know about it by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes about a minute or so to do. It's really, really simple, but it also really helps spread the word about Revision Path everywhere. You can also find us on other platforms. or on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. And make sure you're following us on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Revision Path.